Politico Report is a weekly public affairs program providing independent media coverage of environmental and ecological studies with a focus on local, state, and regional people, issues, and events in order to foster open discussion of human relationships with nature and the earth and to encourage you to take personal responsibility for living sustainably in the world. EcoReport is produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana and financially supported by listeners like you. Hello, and welcome to Eco Report For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Frank Marshallak. Coming up later in today's feature report, Enrique Sands with the Indiana Environmental Reporter will report on a study that finds record high greenhouse gases, sea levels, and ocean heat in 2021. And now for your environmental reports. Indy Star has written an extensive piece on coal ash pits, a topic many environmental groups have complained about for years and years. Yet the state legislature does nothing to change the picture. It's part of the reason Indiana ranks 48th in air slash water quality. The Indy Star article points out that Indiana is among the worst states in the country when it comes to cleaning up its toxic coal ash pits according to a new report on these dangerous sites and their pollution. The Environmental Integrity Project and Earth Justice, two environmental nonprofits, released an analysis Thursday of hundreds of coal ash ponds and landfills across the country. The groups looked at documented underground contamination around the sites, plans to clean up the contamination, and whether utilities are complying with the federal rule that established first-ever protective requirements on coal ash disposal. According to the report, the vast majority of utilities are not in compliance with dealing with the cancer-causing coal byproduct. Across those sites, Indiana has more than 80 pits holding the byproduct. That's more than any other state in America. Indiana's coal ash concerns have long been documented through extensive Indy Star coverage. Environmental organizations and communities surrounding the power plants have also criticized the state's and utilities' handling of toxic ash pits. There are 16 power plants across Indiana that have harmful levels of pollution exceeding safe levels as set by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. While many of these pits are known to be sitting in groundwater, which allows the toxic heavy metals to leach out, most power companies are planning to leave the ash in place. This goes against the federal coal ash rule, the report says. Several coal ash pits across Indiana were used as examples in the national report for how the federal rule is being flouted. The report outlines several different ways that groups say the utility industry is violating the coal ash rule and thus thwarting cleanups and what they call safe closures for coal ash pits. Those include leaving coal ash sitting in the groundwater where it can continue polluting, 
deceptive analysis of groundwater by using inappropriate monitoring wells, shifting the blame of contamination to alternative sources, delaying cleanups, and designing flawed cleanup schemes and remedies that do not actually restore the groundwater quality. They've already rendered the groundwater around 14 out of 15 power plants across the state no longer safe enough to, for drinking water, according to the latest monitoring data. Meanwhile, regulators are approving plans that will let utilities close their ash pits by putting a cap over them and leaving the ash in place, rather than excavating the pits and moving the ash to lined landfills outside of flood zones. State policymakers have also not considered bills proposed in recent years on the same topic. Other states, however, are making power companies dig up their coal ash and moving it to dry, lined landfills where it can no longer pollute. Indy Star reports on a case pending before the Indiana Supreme Court that will determine what future electricity bills will look like for Hoosiers with rooftop solar, and it could mean the difference of more than $100 each month. With the end of net metering, which paid customers the retail rate for excess power they generated, utilities have slashed the payback rate. They also changed how that solar output is calculated. But consumer advocates say that change goes against the original 2017 law that gutted net metering in the first place. Even more, they worry the new rules could put rooftop solar out of reach for many residents. Indiana previously had a policy that was meant to help boost renewable energy in the state. It was called net metering. The program helped incentivize homeowners to install solar by making the investment more economical. In essence, it credited homeowners for excess energy they generated and sent back onto the grid. The credit was at the retail rate, or the same rate customers paid for electricity, making it an, an even one-to-one -one swap. That reduced their overall electricity bill at the end of each month and lessened the burden of cost of installation over the long term. In 2017, the Indiana Legislature passed a bill phasing out the program over several years, SEA 309. Under the law, net metering expired on July 1st. Those who got solar before then are grandfathered in for a certain period. That means utility customers who now install panels are no longer eligible for the full retail credit for their solar energy. In its place, the law required utilities to create an Excess Distributed Generation, or EDG, tariff to determine how much customers will be paid or credited for energy they send back to the grid. Utilities say the change is needed, however, to limit what they describe as a subsidy paid to rooftop solar owners by other customers who do not generate their own power. Now it's up to the Indiana Supreme Court to decide but even a decision from the state's highest court is unlikely to mark the end of the fight between consumers and the utilities. Bion Environmental Technologies, Inc., a developer of advanced livestock waste treatment technology that dramatically reduces environmental impacts and recovers valuable resources, announced that it has broken ground on a small commercial scale Gen 3 Tech facility that will be located near Fair Oaks, Indiana. 
Fair Oaks Farm is north of Lafayette, off I-65. The farm not only produces Fairlife milk, but also ranks as the largest agritourism attraction in the U.S. farming in 35,000 acres. Fair Oaks Farms consists of 11 dairies milking 35,000 cows. Bion expects building construction to be completed by December 15, 2022, with waste processing equipment delivered by mid-January. The U.S. government announced it will hold its first-ever West Coast lease sale for offshore wind power. The Biden administration's Bureau of Ocean Energy Management will lease land off the northern and central California coast on December the 6th. In addition to being the country's first Pacific Coast sale, it will also be the first to potentially support a floating offshore wind installation at a commercial scale. President Joe Biden has set a goal of developing 30 gigawatts of offshore wind energy by 2030 and 15 gigawatts of floating offshore wind energy by 2035. Today, the U.S. has held 10 competitive lease sales for wind power and issued 27 active commercial wind leases, but this has been entirely in the North Atlantic between Massachusetts and North Carolina. The upcoming sale will involve five leases, three off Central California and two off Northern California. Together, they could generate more than 4.5 gigawatts of offshore wind energy to power more than 1.5 million homes. And now, Enrique Saenz with the Indiana Environmental Reporter will report on a study that finds record high greenhouse gases, sea levels, and ocean heat in 2021. On this episode of On Air with IER, a new report finds record high worldwide greenhouse gas levels. We'll take a look at how that is expected to affect Indiana's climate and the state's attorney general takes on investors keeping the environment in mind. This is On Air with IER. A new international report signals that historic U.S. legislation seeking to reduce greenhouse gas emissions may have come in the nick of time, as the main drivers of climate change and some of its most widespread effects have reached record highs. The 32nd American Meteorological Society State of the Climate Report, an international annual review of the world's climate authored by 530 scientists from over 60 countries, found that worldwide greenhouse gas levels, sea levels, and ocean temperatures have reached the highest levels ever recorded. The review was led by scientists from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's National Centers for Environmental Information. The global annual average of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere was 414.7 parts per million in 2021. That's the highest recorded in the last million years, according to paleoclimatic records. The annual average of methane was the highest since measurements began at 18 parts per billion. Nitrous oxide concentrations were the third highest since 2001. Carbon dioxide, methane, and other greenhouse gases trap heat in the atmosphere, making the Earth hotter. The increased heat causes widespread, dangerous, and expensive changes in the Earth's climate, like rainfall amounts and patterns, heat waves, and other extreme weather events. The last seven years have been the seven warmest on record globally, with the Earth warming at twice the rate it has since 1981. Global ocean heat continued to increase and reached record highs in 2021, potentially fueling the year's above-average tropical cyclone activity. 
This is what NOAA Administrator Rick Spinrad had to say about the report. He said, quote, The data presented in this report are clear. We continue to see more compelling scientific evidence that climate change has global impacts and shows no sign of slowing. With many communities hit with 1,000-year floods, exceptional drought, and historic heat this year, it shows that the climate crisis is not a future threat, but something we must address today as we work to build a climate-ready nation and world that is resilient to climate-driven extremes. Unquote. In 2022 alone, the world has experienced several large-scale historic and deadly flooding events. More than 1,400 people have died in Pakistan, and more than a third of the country is underwater due to flooding caused by rainfall 10 times heavier than usual. Parts of the American Midwest and the South this summer have also faced major flooding events caused by rainfall that has broken century-long records. This July, eastern Kentucky received a month's worth of rain in a few hours, causing historic crests. Waterways like the North Fork Kentucky River, which is between one to two feet deep most of the year, rose 18 feet in 10 hours. At least 39 people died in the flooding, and many residents are still struggling to recover a month after. Only 2% of residents in the 10 affected counties had flood insurance, further complicating recovery. In Jackson, Mississippi, record flooding along the Pearl River damaged the city's water plant, resulting in a state of emergency. More than 150,000 residents, mostly black and many poor, were left without safe drinking water. The plant had been underfunded for decades due to changes in the city's demographics. A large portion of the city's majority white population moved away beginning in the 1970s after the U.S. Supreme Court ordered desegregation of public schools and facilities. Wealthier black residents followed, further gutting the city's tax base. Tragic flooding experiences also happen close to home and could increase in number as chronically underfunded and low-income communities face a mounting flood risk due to climate change. A Jefferson County woman was killed when her home and several others were washed away by severe flash flooding over the Labor Day weekend. The Jefferson County Emergency Management Agency said flooding destroyed two homes, damaged more than 20 buildings and two bridges, and washed away several roads. The Indiana Department of Homeland Security announced emergency disaster declarations for Ohio, Jefferson, and Switzerland counties. According to projections from the Indiana Climate Change Impacts Assessment, flooding will increasingly affect Hoosiers as climate change worsens. The average amount of precipitation that falls in the state per year has increased by 5.6 inches since 1895, when records were first kept. The increase in precipitation accelerated in the mid-20th century. The rain is falling in shorter, more intense periods, increasing the likelihood for flooding. In southern Indiana, average annual precipitation has increased even more with the southwestern region of the state seeing an increase of 6.2 inches, 6.9 inches in the central southern region, and 6.7 inches in the southeastern region. More heavy rainfall and flooding has proven costly to Hoosier communities. Data collected by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's National Centers for Environmental Information indicates the cost of damage caused by storm events has skyrocketed over the past decade. Between 2011 and 2021, 1,822 storm events impacted the state of Indiana. The highest number of storm events happened in 2015, when 273 storm events occurred in the state and caused $982,000 in damages. In 2021, 112 storm events caused about $49 million in damages. Most of the damage happened on a single night, June 18th, when a long-lasting storm system moved through central Indiana. A 31-year-old man was killed after being swept away by floodwaters. The flooding caused extensive damage to many businesses near downtown Bloomington and damaged bridges and washed away roads in other parts of Monroe and Owen counties. 
The increased precipitation is also costing taxpayers millions of dollars in water system upgrades and upkeep. Nationwide, the cost of utilities to keep up with climate change effects is estimated to be between $448 to $944 billion a year. Hundreds of Indiana communities are relying on federal funds dispersed through the Indiana Finance Authority for grants and low-interest loans to afford infrastructure upgrades. A recent infusion of federal money through the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act will allow the IFA to triple the amount of money dispersed to communities for drinking water or wastewater infrastructure. Despite the current and looming cost of climate change, Indiana legislators have done little to stop the state's contribution to climate change. Fossil fuels make up a vast majority of the energy consumed in the state. The state ranks third in the nation in total coal consumption and coal consumption for electricity generation. The Indiana General Assembly this year introduced bills that would prevent the state from doing business with companies that choose to become fossil fuel free, prevent state agencies from adopting rules that are more strict than bare minimum federal regulations, and make it more costly and time-consuming for state agencies to defend their actions. The bills failed to become laws, but legislators could resurrect the bills in a matter of months. The lawmakers did pass legislation that supported unproven clean energy projects in the state that would provide financial incentives for the companies that undertake them, but would most likely not help wean the state from fossil fuels. Bills propping up nascent carbon capture and sequestration, small modular nuclear reactors, and underground pump storage hydropower easily passed through both houses of the state legislature. But lawmakers refused to hear a resolution that would formally acknowledge climate change and its causes, a bill that would establish a task force to develop a state climate action plan, and a bill that would prolong the life of net metering. The state of Indiana has been drafted by its top legal official to become involved in a nationwide effort to target financial institutions that have chosen, or are perceived to have chosen, to move away from fossil fuel investments or participate in, quote, leftist social causes. Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita issued an advisory opinion saying the investments made by the Indiana Public Retirement System Board of Trustees could not be made with strategies based on non-financial considerations known as environmental, social, and government considerations, or ESG. Rokita said existing federal and state laws prohibit the trustees from making investment decisions with anything but the financial interest of beneficiaries in mind. He said ESG considerations violate those laws and, quote, advanced leftist social causes and, quote, bad economic agendas that could not be implemented through elections. The specific type of investment is disguised to appear as a good deed. Good for you, good for the planet, perhaps, but it strays from the obligation to put the financial interests of individual savers first, rather than the political objectives of investment uh, managers. Uh, these are usually activist-driven agendas intended to achieve radical uh, environmental and social policies. Woke big businesses are collaborating with their leftist allies to subvert the will of the people. This includes investing Hoosiers' pensions in ways that work against the best interest of Indiana families. Rokita's opinion follows a failed attempt to push through a bill during the 2022 legislative session that would have prohibited the state from investing or entering into contracts with companies that boycott fossil fuels. The bill was pulled after the Indiana Bankers Association opposed the legislation, calling it a, quote, anti-free market bill. The IBA told the Indiana Environmental Reporter it was still reviewing the opinion, but generally opposed restrictions on investments. In a statement, IBA Chief Policy Officer Dax Denton said, quote, 
While we are still reviewing the impact of the opinion, restricting investments or state commerce based on ESG statements or any other corporate statement is fundamentally flawed. This does nothing to alleviate the increasing pressure financial institutions are facing from federal regulators related to managing climate risk. Restricting investments based on subjective ESG statements only hurts Indiana's financial institutions and those who rely upon a diverse mix of investment options available to the Indiana public retirement system. BlackRock, a major investment group which uses ESG considerations, said its investment decisions reflect the best long-term financial results consistent with client investment guidelines. ESG criteria are used to screen investments to avoid losses when companies engage in risky or unethical practices, like supporting increasingly unpopular and potentially unprofitable fossil fuel investments. Fossil fuel combustion has led to runaway greenhouse gas emissions that have trapped heat in the atmosphere, causing dangerous and expensive changes to the climate. Financial institutions, pension funds, city and state governments, faith-based organizations, and other entities around the world have pledged to withhold about $40.6 trillion in investment from the fossil fuel industry. The fossil fuel industry has struck back on divestments by using its influence on red state officials and politicians through various right-wing organizations it funds, like the American Legislative Exchange Council, Heritage Foundation, and others to push through legislation and administrative actions that would protect the industry. ALEC provides model legislation to lawmakers that furthers right-wing goals like opposing federal climate change actions, amending the U.S. Constitution to make it more amenable to conservative ideas, delaying the closure of coal-fired power plants, urging forest clearing by timber companies to combat wildfires, and preventing states and regional efforts to regulate greenhouse gases and others. States like Kentucky, Oklahoma, Tennessee, and Texas have all passed laws based on ALEC-modeled legislation that cuts ties with financial institutions that divest themselves of fossil fuels. Rokita served as a keynote speaker during ALEC's 2016 annual meeting in Indianapolis. Rokita's advisory opinion is based on a request from Indiana Senator Eric Cook, public chair of ALEC's Communications and Technology Task Force. Some controversial environmental rollbacks in Indiana have links to ALEC or its model legislation, like the repeal of most state wetland protections authored by Alex State Chair Senator Linda Rogers and a 2021 law that banned local governments from enacting laws that eliminated or phased out natural gas and other fossil fuel use or required energy saving or energy producing systems. Representative Ethan Manning introduced a bill that mirrored an ALEC model policy during this year's legislative session, House Bill 1224, sought to end a boycott by companies that refuse to invest in fossil fuels at any level, including pledges to reduce their carbon footprint and other self-governance decisions. The bill was pulled after the Indiana Backers Association opposed a policy in public hearings, and the Indiana Department of Administration warned the legislation would further limit the already limited number of financial institutions that could provide financial services to the state, like credit cards, fuel cards, child support payment management, unemployment, and other social program benefits. The bill may resurface during the 2023 legislative session. Rokita said he would join the Republican Attorneys General of Arizona and Missouri to investigate whether major investment management companies and programs like BlackRock Inc., Vanguard Group, State Street Corporation, Morningstar, and the United Nations Environment Program Net Zero Banking Alliance have violated Indiana state law. That's all for this edition of On Air with IER. Check out our website, indianaenvironmentalreporter.org, for environmental stories and more. On Air with IER is produced by independent journalists and producers based at the Media School at Indiana University, as well as by student interns. 
producers are employees of the media school. For Eco Report, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Frank Marshallek. Here at Eco Report, we are currently looking for reporters, engineers, and segment producers. Our goal is to report facts on how we're all affected by global climate disruption and the ongoing assaults on our air, land, and water. We also celebrate ecologists, tree huggers, soil builders, and an assortment of champions who actively protect and restore our natural world, particularly those who are active in South Central Indiana. All levels of experience and all ages are welcome, and we provide the training you'll need. WFHB also offers internships. To volunteer for Eco Report, give us a call at 812-323-1200 or email us at earth at wfhb.org. And now for some upcoming events. Make a wreath out of an invasive plant at Spring Mill State Park on Saturday, November 12th from 11.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Join naturalist Cherie to make a beautiful wreath out of dried Japanese honeysuckle. Learn about invasive plants while creating your wreath. Register at 812-849-3534 or sbelt at dnr.in.gov. A small garden planning and design program will be offered on Wednesday, November the 16th from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. at the Allison Jukebox Community Center. Now is a great time to plan your garden. Learn the basics of crop planning and garden design. Register at bloomington.in.gov parks. Take a walk with Lieber at McCormick's Creek State Park on Friday, November 18th, beginning at 3 p.m. Meet at the Canyon Inn to learn about how McCormick's Creek came to be Indiana's first state park and the man that made it all possible. Participate in a Hidden Caves hike at Spring Mill State Park on Saturday, November the 19th from 1 to 2 p.m. Meet Tony at the Oak Ridge Shelter to see a couple of off-trail caves that are part of the Hamer Cave System. This is a rugged one-hour hike. Enjoy a snake meet and greet at Brown County State Park on Sunday, November 20th from 2 to 2.30 p.m. Meet at the Nature Center for an up-close and personal look at one of Indiana's native snakes. Learn about their unique traits, the threats they face, and how snakes affect your life. You can touch one if you want to. Eco Report is brought to you in part by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpisolarenergy.com. The week's headlines were written by Norm Holly. Our feature was prepared and presented by Enrique Sainz with the Indiana Environmental Reporter. Our script today was assembled by Juliana Daly and edited by Patrick Callanan. Juliana Daly compiled our events calendar. Patrick Callanan produced today's show and edited its audio.
For WFHP, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Frank Marshalek. And this is Eco Report. You've been listening to the Eco Report, a volunteer powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Available for download and podcast at news.wfhb.org. Eco Report is your independent, ecologically inspired news source for South Central Indiana, bringing you news that the earth wants you to hear. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Eco Report staff. The email address is earth at wfhb.org. That's earth at wfhb.org.